0: Hello, I'm Dapper Dan Gavazdan, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count.
1: And I'm mischievous Marchinocchio, and I, too, own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but, Dan, the annuals don't count.
0: Well, welcome, everybody, to the Amazing Spider-Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe as it unfolds. Thanks for joining us for
1: this review episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week, we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show, and in between, we review new comics as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. So this is the perfect time to start listening. What's
0: What are we talking about today on the show, Mark?
1: I believe we'll be talking about part two of the Beyond Era of The Amazing Spider-Man. That's right. It's issue Amazing Spider-Man, volume five, number 76. This issue was written by Zeb Wells with pencils and inks by Patrick Gleason. Colors by Marcio Menez, and a cover by Arthur Adams and Alejandro Sanchez. There's also letters by V.C. Shokaramanga. And this issue was first released on October 13th, 2021. Dan, it's like the really olden days. We're talking about a comic the day it's been released. Isn't that pretty cool?
0: <laughs> I know, I know. I'm having flashbacks to just the harrowing schedule of how quick we put out those episodes back in the day. But, uh, <laughs> you know what it is? You know what it takes to get us to do this? Them putting out books three times a month. Uh, you know, like... This is the expectation now, right? No, please do not hold us to that standard.
1: Yeah, by, by all means. So, so, Dan, you know, last time we kind of changed up our format. Why don't we keep with the new format? Give us a little synopsis of what, what, what happened today.
0: Yeah, so um, in this issue, Ben secretly called Aunt May and MJ to the hospital where Pete is suffering greatly from radiation poisoning as doctors scramble to stabilize him. When Peter's family arrives, Ben ducks out the back to return to Beyond Tower, where he's redirected to handle the UFOs immediately. Aunt May arrives at the hospital to see a stabilized Peter before she goes on a one-woman mission to bug the doctor to give him the best care. Meanwhile, Ben suits up to take down the UFOs with new gear, but he ducks out at the last minute, bucking Beyond's orders, to visit Peter and ask for his blessing to take over As Spider-Man, you know, while apologizing for how he behaved in the previous issue. Peter grants it to Ben before his body begins failing and he slips into a coma. Ben then goes and takes out the UFOs with advanced tech that makes their defeat almost perfunctory. And that's the end of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 76. Mark, let's get right into this. I wanted to talk about the format of these comics because... I'm telling you, you know, issue 75 sold me on this, like, writing team and this new run. this issue sold me on the format because, and, and maybe it's the issue that convinced me that this might be a great run of comics because I'm really enjoying so far how these comics are really allowing for a smaller story to develop, right? They don't feel the need to pack so much into each issue because we're getting them so frequently it feels much more deliberately paced you know not a ton happened in this issue but it all felt really like valuable time spent with these characters how did
1: you feel this was definitely a step forward in the narrative I mean like you said it wasn't like a gigantic one but like it 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 this was not a waste of space, if you will. I mean, you know, I think that, you know, we're, we've gotten away from some of the, you know, the the mythologizing, myth, mythologizing, excuse me, mythologizing. And, and instead just kind of like, you know, the, these are these are very grounded street level stories, you know, like like, you know, kind of what you would expect in Spider-Man. And, and thus, they kind of proceed at that point. I mean, you know, yes, we're basically just in a hospital for the most of it with Peter kind of slipping in and out of, of consciousness, uh, literally. But like at the same time, there's enough pieces moving forward on the chessboard that you you, you are curious to see what's going to happen next.
0: You know, and, and I think part of that storytelling that's so wonderful is the art. I want to start off. And again, we don't do this very often. Like Art Adams is taking over on the cover for these issues. And you know as much as I love the cover to 75. I think the cover to 76 is really an incredible like tone piece. You know yeah Peter's in costume on the cover. That's not in the inside of the book. But it almost doesn't matter right. It tells us like the emotional stakes. And there's that a beautiful like thing of the the spider thread. That's like slowly being pulled apart. I, I, I think when Art Adams nails it. He really nails it. And some of the upcoming solicits for covers are really beautiful. You know, would I prefer Patrick Gleason do some of the covers to match the interior art? You know, maybe. But I did want to acknowledge that these are some really stunning covers that we've been getting.
1: And that now what about the actual interiors here? I mean, like Patrick Leeson strikes again, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely I mean, this one has less bombast than the previous issue Like, there's not a lot of action And when we get it, it's spectacular Like, the the visualization of, like, him attacking the UFOs And, like, splitting Vapor's head in half is so cool I mean, it, it, it's just some neat visual design going on there But, like, I think in the last issue He really proved that he could do these great layouts With characters talking to each other But this just kind of furthers it, you know There's this moment before we get Ben coming back to Beyond Tower where Marcus and Janice are, you know, sharing space but facing away from each other. And it just says so much about the connection between these characters and Janice is kind of like, she's beginning to have these doubts creep in about the Beyond, uh, you know, company. Just kind of having them staged that way is really neat. And then for me, the defining visual of this issue was, Peter when he's slipping into a coma and we go close up on his eye and we see MJ reflected in his eye but then that next image of her kind of like in fiery red just kind of blurring into darkness I was really a cleverly crafted visual
1: were there were there any other visuals that stood out to you I mean just in general like I mean all of the stuff with Peter in the hospital bed like you know that first that first panel which I mean we kind of got. I want to say spoil, uh, yeah, spoiled in the previews, but like still, like you know, they, they really like conveyed a lot of despair, the simplicity of just you know a few words on the page, with again being inside Peter's head for them, you know, like the 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 artwork is just pitch perfect for the tone uh, you know that needs to be conveyed here and and yeah i mean that 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 scene with the coma was just perfect i mean you know it's funny like as grand as the action was with the ufos at the end i did find it a little confusing to follow visually the thing is you you got enough of the the gist of it from like what had led up to it then to know that ben was like you know Causing havoc, so to speak, um, but like, it just wasn't completely clear to me, but overall, I mean, again, another solid offering and, and, you know, like for, for, for an issue that almost takes place entirely in a, in a hospital room, like this really got like the, the drama going for me in terms of how it was visually set up.
0: Yeah. I agree with you on that final scene. It almost feels like weirdly truncated, you know, like I turn that page to the final page of him standing there with the weapons and it felt really kind of like abrupt as an ending to me, which I think maybe it's intended to be like, you're not supposed to feel all that triumphant about Ben, maybe taking over a Spider-Man. Although, although I'm not sure. We'll see how it's yet to play. And the art was a little bit weird, but it, to me, it felt like a, um, a sacrifice made, you know, because the book can only have so many pages in it, you know, and, and we've often talked about how like the page count has been reduced over the years in these books you know to me this was like a sacrifice at at that altar and i'm okay with it because i felt like giving the pages to play out in the hospital was you know a a really nice you know counterbalance there so that worked for me as well and and you mentioned the great visual of the spider sense you know of of peter upside down uh, on that page you know, as he's like falling into the coma, I didn't mention there's those really cool panels where he like frames the panel like it's like a a spider that's like closing in on pan, uh, Peter. I thought that was really cool. You know, we're we're getting we're getting a lot of really great stuff here from Patrick Gleason and and his team. So I really appreciated that.
1: You know, meanwhile, you know, in terms of stuff that happened in the hospital, you know, we we, we talked. A few minutes ago about like kind of the incremental nature of of this story here and i would say that that applies to how we characterize ben and ben versus you know ben vis-a-vis pete when ben was introduced again in 75 you know i i talked about last episode about how he you know kind of has an edge and you know he's kind of a jerk but you don't necessarily dislike him but you don't necessarily have a reason to like him here and i feel like you know This issue here brings him closer to why we should be liking this character, you know, less on the dislike. The big selling point for me was the scene between him and Peter in the hospital after Peter has come to – when Ben is kind of asking for forgiveness for for the whole, you know, I'm not asking for permission line in the last issue, you know, Be- you know, Peter initially kind of pushes back, like, oh wait, so now, you know, what what why the change? And then you know, and he starts by saying, you know, I feel like I have to share my life whenever you're around, and it's, I mean, which is very true. I mean, they're they're clones, but then he kind of couches it by saying, but you deserve this too, and like to me, like that that dichotomy is kind of like the core of who Peter is. It's like, you know, like this is incredibly, you know, having Ben Riley in his life as Spider-Man is incredibly inconvenient and, and, and does nobody any favors. Well, I shouldn't say does nobody, but does not do Peter any favors. He, you know, at his core, he's like, yeah, but this is his life too. I can't tell him not to do it. And, and, you know, that would be irresponsible for me. Like, you know, this gets at the, this gets at the heart of responsibility in a way without saying I am responsible for this you know, it, it sets, it elevates Peter in a way that he's making this kind of grand gesture because it's the right thing to do. But it also like puts Ben in a better light. And 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 as a reader allows you to kind of respect Ben, because if Peter respects Ben, then I'm going to respect Ben, right? I mean, that's kind of like what gets set up here.
0: I loved his charge at Peter where, or Ben when he says, uh, be amazing. Uh, like what w- what a great little moment, like really simple, but Really effective, you know. I, I, to, to your point, like I think seeing Ben come back and apologize in this way is not something entirely foreign to us as longtime Peter Parker readers. I mean, Peter has always been, even if writers don't like to write him this way. Like I think at his core, and when he was at his best, you know, at best, I mean, in terms of like when the comic was really singing, you know, I think Peter is emotionally impetuous. You know, he rushes into things. He makes snack judgments and he gets angry fairly easy, you know, and, but I think he's a character that would come back and apologize in this way. You know, he always means well, even if his emotions can get him to be carried away a little bit. So I I enjoyed seeing this play out and, you know, and, and, and Peter's acknowledgement of like understanding where Ben is coming from is kind of like a, a, a kind of emotional empathy and maturity. I like from the character that I feel like I haven't seen much of. And so that that was really refreshing. You know, I made a comment about Ben's therapist last time. He 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 makes a reference to his therapist again here, who is uh we know is Dr. Kafka. I, I really like the bit where he suggests that like he has a hard time asking for help. And to me, that's like very Ben. You know, this is a guy that woke up one day thinking he was Peter Parker and found out that he wasn't, and he had to go on the run. And, you know, he, in doing so, he would be someone that would put people at distance from him because he's afraid of getting hurt, you know, uh, again. And so to, to have him not ask for help and be learning to ask for help, I think is, a, you know, a nice bit of writing that understands Ben as a character and his journey of like allowing himself to be accepted into like a family that still, I think here kind of sees him a little bit at, 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 a distance.
1: Although, you know, and the other thing that you, I think you kind of referred to last episode that, you know, really gets pulled forward this time around is the idea that these two are brother, there's a brotherhood with these two characters, you know, I mean, like they, they call each other literal brothers, but like, you know, it. <laughs> I did like how you said, that, you know, last time around. You know, there's probably something to be said that Peter, you know, can only find a true sibling in himself. I, I mean, look, if you're if you're fighting the concept of a com of Ben Riley having a lead role in these comics again, you, you know, it, it might, you know, this is not probably not going to move you that far. But you know, if you're being open minded about it and maybe had some doubts, like I kind of considered myself to be in that camp, like this. This kind of puts me at ease about, you know, watching this kind of interplay and, and this kind of camaraderie between these two characters, because it's like, OK, you know what? Like, that's right. There, there There's a bond here that goes far deeper than, you know, than than not that I remember, but just that I've had to think about for a while. And you, you're kind of like, OK, I'm, I'm OK with this. I'm becoming more OK with this. So anyway, that's, I
0: mean, it's emotional, sensitive writing zeb wells has shown this i think you know returning to his um avenging spider-man work there were some really nice issues that he did in that series but i don't know that i expected this quite from him and i got to admit like as much as i love like kelly thompson and all the other people that are going to be on this book it does make me a little nervous because this is so good i like want more of it i'm like nervous to hand off the keys to someone else that has shown this level of sensitivity to writing this I don't know if if you feel that that way at all, but like I feel like I just like made a new friend, and I'm like, okay, well I'll see you next week, and I'm like, well I'll probably never see that guy again.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, let's give it let's give it time. I mean, you know, like it seems like, you know, from the description that you know these people are all working together because they you know they have this thing mapped out. So let's let's have confidence in the characterization here. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, if people wanted to talk to us about it or keep up with us on it, where might they do so, Mark?
1: Well, you can, of course, go to our Slack, where hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans. That's the Slack. The Amazing Spider Slack community is absolutely free to join. And you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more.
0: Yeah, like I say, every week, I'm there all the time. And it was a great time to be in the Slack. Especially if you, like me, want to share in the collective shrug about Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I saw it this week. I had to vent on the slack because what the heck was that movie? (laughs) So, yeah, if you want to join our awesome Spider-Man community, just follow the link in the description and be sure to say hi. And, yeah, like, once you're there, let us know what you thought of this new episode. We always love hearing from you guys uh, in our community there.
1: There you go, right, Mark.
0: Let's get back to talking about Amazing Spider-Man '76. I wanted to talk specifically about the the Peter MJ relationship here, Mark. How have you thought about like her being pre- presented on the page? We didn't talk a lot about her in '75, but she's got an even bigger role here in '76. How are you reading like how she's been put down on the page so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I mean, without you know, first acknowledging kind of the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room, which is that you know, these characters went from on the cusp of engagement to like, you know, that has not that has not come up uh, in the last two issues in any capacity. So if that's what you're looking for in the two of them, you're gonna be sorely disappointed. But you know what i what I did see here was a very functional, healthy, relationship and you know it's it you know to have Peter be bedridden and in and, and then towards the end comatose you know it, it it allows it's kind of this major role reversal where it's not MJ who needs the saving here I mean frankly Peter is the one who needs saving and MJ is kind of the caretaker and and, and not like in a in a you know, a Florence Nightingale way, but just in a like, you know, in a, in an emotionally supportive way. I mean, so much so that when you know Ben comes into the room, you know, he's like, "Well, I, I don't have the energy to stop her from hitting you." You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 more than just you know, I'm gonna feed you soup and 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 wash your wounds. It's like you know, I I'm I am your per, I am I am your emergency contact, and I'm here to make sure that nothing else happens to you that's going to screw you up today. And I, I I liked that, that change in dynamic for sure.
0: I really appreciated that. And I really appreciated the bits with Aunt May that we got in this issue, you know, seeing her be strong and assertive. I think Gleason's take on her is very different than ones we've seen uh, elsewhere, but I like that too. Like I think she, her age is a little more apparent than than we've been seeing, but man, I loved seeing her give this doctor a hard time. It's Kind of what I expect from Aunt May doting on her, on her son, but without being like truly infantilizing to him, she just kind of felt like she was a tornado that was going to go through that hospital and assure that her, you know, nephew got the best the best service that he possibly could. I, I real I really enjoyed seeing her on the page. Uh, I feel like that character has really been given short shrift, and to see her kind of at the forefront here took me back to like JMS and just seeing this kind of like trio of MJ peter and aunt may kind of strongly presented as characters in a book was really refreshing
1: did you get any takeaways from the fact that when ben called initially pretending to be peter to both of them like aunt may seems pretty unconvinced by it but mj was tricked initially
0: yeah i don't really know how to respond to that uh i was kind of curious to hear your take on it because like, I guess you could say Aunt May has been with this kid since he was in diapers, you know, and could tell the difference. It was a, it was a definite choice, right, to have her not be fooled by it and to have MJ be fooled by it. I mean, what what do you think they're trying to say there?
1: I mean, you know, I think it frankly, it might say more about May than it does about MJ. You know, I, I think it that that was my takeaway. Mainly, it was it was that. Aunt May kind of just has that innate maternal sense that allows her to kind of snuff that out. Whereas, you know, MJ is not quite there yet, so she can be more easily duped by it. That that was really kind of the extent of it. It might go deeper than that, but that's that's how I'm taking it for right now.
0: That kind of gets to, like, questions that I have about kind of the history between all these characters, you know? Like, what do they remember of Ben the clone saga is a is a many tentacled creature but you know, even more recently you know mj would know about ben's you know descent into madness during the clone conspiracy but like do peter and mj know about his cleansing during spider-geddon like i don't remember those characters coming into contact with each other and and really kind of getting on the same level and yet they seem to kind of just treat it, him like classic Ben, even if there are references to his like resurrection or whatever, I would love to just have that cleared up. Like I, I, I get the character dynamics that they're going with here and I'm on board, but I'm like in the back of my brain, I'm asking like, what shared history or knowledge are we actually operating on here? Because MJ seems very uncomfortable around him, which I think is like totally earned.
1: No, I agree. I mean, I feel like that I, I would have liked to see more of like the the Ben-MJ dynamic. I mean, like she kind of like it's, you know, if she was a cat, you would see like her hair on edge when he enters the room. But <laughs> yeah. then like they kind of don't go further with it. And I, I, I would have liked to see it, you know, because, they yeah, there is obvious history here. But like that history is muddied, um, both fr- due to editorial reasons and then just frankly, time that has passed you know to your question about spider the spider geddon retcon i i i don't know i mean like you frankly you had to remind me of that when we were last talking about ben (laughs) riley so if if i don't remember i don't know if this was brought up to them in the comic at all so uh (laughs) that 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 might be an oversight of sorts Yeah. And um, you wanted to talk about Peter's condition. Let me come at this from a couple of layers. I mean, first of all, like, you know, what what he's physically in the hospital for. I mean, obviously, it's it's a form of radiation poisoning. But like, I don't know, there's there's just something kind of very vague and 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 hand wavy about it it's like oh you know he's he's you know he's in a coma now you know like it's it's the the mechanics of what the threat the physical threat here is not entirely clear to me except except like oh it's bad because he's in the hospital and he's slipping in and out of consciousness so like that was part of it and then like you know i i a part of me feels too that they kind of undid the or undermine the threat when you know like he you have that great page we talked about in the very beginning where he's on the table and his inner monologue is going i am the you know the dangers inside me you know but then you get this sequence and i i understand narratively why they had to have peter kind of come to for a bit because otherwise like it would have just made the the structure of the story really hard to tell but in doing that, and kind of having him come to, to talk to Ben, to kind of, you know, joke with MJ, joke about Aunt May, et cetera, you know, it makes the crash that he hits later, I mean, as dire as it seems, it kind of, you know, it, it kind of uh, blunts it a little bit because you're kind of like, all right, well, I already saw him come out of it once. Like, I don't feel like he can't come out of this again, you know, like it, it, it's, it's, I don't know, like. Maybe if this was if he was truly out the whole issue, but like we could have been deeper inside his head and he's watching this happen, but can't interact with it. I don't know. But like, I feel like there are ways they could have maybe done some stuff where the the, the actual threat of what's happening to him would have been more apparent, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'm still kind of waiting to see, like, how much we're supposed to buy into this threat entirely. Like, it could just be that he's out for a couple of issues or something like that. I mean... It seem the co- the dramatics of the cover seem to suggest otherwise. Yeah, you know, w- we'll see. But I I understand that it is kind of vague. I mean, they do a bunch of science mumbo jumbo in the beginning to explain what it is. Not that that means anything to us. But yeah, um, I, I I think you're you're right. It it is kind of blunted in in a way by how they kind of undo it with, within the issue. And and that might just be to the power of Gleason, which is like. The visualization of it is excellent to have, so have to have it undone is like, Oh man, they really like, like sent a heat seeking missile for my heart and then told me, okay, it's fine. But until it's not fine. But to me, what made it like more acceptable to me was that like Peter seems to be shooing Ben out of the room and saying like, yeah, you can be Spider-Man. Fine, fine, fine. Because like he, then as soon as Ben leaves, he's like, my body is crashing. You know, like, I've been putting on this face because I don't want Ben to see me just, like, about to die. And that made me believe it a little bit more.
1: In terms of also the threats of this issue or this arc so far, I mean, like, you know, we we, we get more inter, interplay with Marcus at the um, Beyond company. And, like, you know, again, like, there there's some semblance of mystery around the, you know, what exactly are the intentions here. But, like... You know, kind of as you said in our last episode. I mean, it, there's there's no doubt they're coded as evil, and I feel like they do even less uh, hiding of it here, especially with how they they work with uh, Janine here. Is it Janine or or did I say that? I thought I thought you said it differently earlier. And now I'm. Confused. I think it's Janine. Okay, got it. Sorry.
0: Or Elizabeth, whichever one you want to go with, Ben's redheaded girlfriend who's now in a Bob that Marcus comments on in a creepy way. And, and she seems to be having her doubts. I mean, there's literally a panel in this issue where like Ben goes against Marcus's wishes. And then we get a sh- an image of Marcus with his face in full shadow saying like, well, that's unfortunate, you know? And it's like, okay, this guy is just flat out evil. Like w- whatever's going on behind it, like, in many ways, I'm just kind of glad they're cutting to the chase. Like they're not trying to hide this. Like they know we're not dumb. These guys are the bad guys. Let's just get to it. And we're going to find out what's going on with them. Hopefully soon, uh, two weeks or I guess like a week into this now with two issues. I'm like, I'm not all that impatient about it. It's like, okay, like they're at least treating me like I'm not an idiot. And they're like, just coding <laughs> them evil. You know, like, uh, yes,
1: yeah. it's, it's I, I agree with that hundred percent. I'm not, I'm not complaining that they're, being coded as evil it's just kind of like oh okay yeah we're not we're not really dealing with like swerve here and i'm 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 happy with that like let's just let's just have things appear as they appear you know <laughs> the
0: corporations the big faceless corporations are not going to be the good guys right in, right in right, comics. right they're just right. not like right but, let's just get through with
1: it yeah we don't have to pretend here so awesome you mean
0: alchemax is bad no right right yeah
1: or, or uh, what do you call it uh, uh the 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 the, the 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 oil company uh, Roxxon Oh Roxxon <laughs> yeah, right
0: of course of course like like Osborne Industries like run by a like a a, a psychopath never like we would never we would never show things like that um all right do we want to get to grades
1: yeah i'm i'm going to give this one a b i think it's again very solid I, I i you know it's not i didn't like it quite as much as last issue but like this this there's not a lot There's not a lot to not like here, you know, (laughs) like it's, it's, it's just fun. It's fun comics.
0: Yeah. This one's a B for me too. Just solid Spider-Man comics. Here we go, Mark, adjusting our scale. I'm excited for the next issue. Like, uh, you know, we got two weeks to wait and I'm like eager, you know, I'm not like on, I'm not on, I'm not like hooked yet. Right. Like, I don't feel like I'm like, it's not like superior where I'm like, I can't wait, but I'm like, Boy, it's going to be fun to go pick up that comic.
1: Yeah, I mean, this ended on certainly enough of a cliffhanger where you want to, you're you're legitimately intrigued like, "All right, wh- how are we going to get out of this one?"
0: <laughs> of course, everybody, if you find this show entertaining and valuable, we would love it if you'd consider supporting us. That starts by just recommending the show. Like, we're doing this week to week and You know, we don't know who's listening to us or how they found us or whatever, but like if you can recommend this show to a friend that you know would love it, we'd love to have them on board. But if you'd like to go a step further, why not consider joining our Patreon?
1: Yeah, we can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show success to every single one of them. And we are constantly making exclusive content for our members.
0: Yeah, so why not take $3.99, the price of a new comic, and put it towards a month's subscription to support the show and start receiving our Patreon content? That way, you'll hear our Patreon-exclusive review podcast on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man the very same week it comes out instead of waiting for it to arrive in our public podcasting feed when it shows up on Marvel Unlimited.
1: And if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists, which has been commissioned exclusively for our members. For example, this season we'll be mailing out a print by artist Ron Friends, who's created a lost page of the kid who collects Spider-Man for us, which was inked by Brett Reading. And this page depicts Tim and Spidey sharing laughs over Tim's Spider-Man comic collection. In addition to that, every episode we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy.
0: Yeah, and like we know there's a lot of Spider-Man comics coming out right now. I mean, what are we at, like four of them in, in this month or like four of them in December? But, you know, if you do have a little bit of that extra income and you think our show is really a great supplement to reading these comics. In fact, some people tell us they have more fun listening to the show than they do reading the comics. Um, I don't know if that's still true anymore or whatever, but, you know, it, it would really help us out. But like we said, we we know just listening and telling people about us is enough, you know. But if you do have the means, please join our Patreon to help continue, uh, you know, our, our show's existence. You know, if you want to do so, you can just follow the link in the description. And again, thank you to everybody who already makes this show possible. Mark and I will be eternally grateful to you guys.
1: Yep, we always are. Thank you, thank you. Uh, And speaking of thank you, Dan, it's unfortunately that time, time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning into this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk.
0: Yeah. Um, as always, this episode comes edited by our awesome Rick Coast, and our artwork comes handcrafted by none other than Ron, friends Sal Buscema and Ray Sumner, and our theme songs were produced by Ryland Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. This episode was originally released on Patreon as a live stream hangout with us back when the comic was first released. So again, if you'd like to help support our show's continued existence and these reviews, and come hang out with us while we're doing a live stream why not head on over to our Patreon and sign up? So Mark, until you get my permission to take over as a sole host of the Amazing Spider Talk, before I slip into a coma, what our motto?
1: It's with great podcasts, there must also come the Amazing Spider Talk. Don't,
0: don't miss the next episode.
1: How'd I do, Dan? Dan? Dan! Dan, talk to me! Dan, what's going on? <sighs> Amazing spider talk.